Hi everyone, welcome to This Week in Lies. A lovely bit of share there to get us started. A little bit of a tassel. Uh, this is the show where we try to reverse party political spin, exposed by journalism, and hopefully have a laugh. Because if we didn't, we'd cry. Joining me as usual this week are my co-host Adam. Hello. And David. Hello. Yes, so this week... Lots of stuff to get through this week, Adam. Do you want to... Uh, you just made that a lot more difficult to edit by adding that share in you. Well, to anyone listening in the future, we had share on just before. Um, Adam, just quick question. Why are you in a tent? You'll, you'll find out later. What are you holding in your hand? It's, it's a placard with a phrase that I can't actually say on the radio. Why would that be, Adam? Saying. But the main story of this week is the Occupy movement. Um, thousands of demonstrators have marched across New York's Brooklyn Bridge in one of several US rallies of support for the Occupy Wall Street movement. Some 250 people were arrested in New York alone, many of them as trouble flared near the stock exchange. Um, protesters have accused police of brutality, with some TV images showing a man with a bloodied face being arrested, and at least seven police officers have been hurt. Um, the rallies have marked two months since the movement against inequality began, with the uh, march planned before demonstrators were swept two days ago from New York's Zuccotti Park, or Freedom Square as it's been renamed, oh, yeah, um, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, where they had camped since mid-September, although they are looking for a new area, slash might be allowed back in. Um, in rallies across the US on Thursday, there were uh, rallies in Los Angeles with about 500 marchers chanting anti-bank slogans, and somehow two dozen of them were arrested for it. Um, city officials in Dallas evicted a protesters' camp detaining only 20 people. Arrests were made in Portland, Oregon, as activists tried to occupy a city centre Wells Fargo Bank branch. Dozens more demonstrators were held by police in Las Vegas and St. Louis. Um, protesters shut the River Bridge in Chicago during rush hour, whilst activists in Seattle, um, Washington, uh, Seattle Washington closed the University Bridge. Rallies were also held at bridges, considering disrepair in Miami, Florida, Detroit, Michigan, Bo Boston, um, as activists called for infrastructure projects to create jobs, and there were smaller protests elsewhere, including in Denver, Colorado, and Washington, D.C. Um, the day's events began with hundreds of demonstrators gathering at the edge of New York's financial uh, district, but they were unable to get past junctions blocked by police as scuffles broke out, and some of them were dragged away by officers. Some unlocked applauded as the uh, demonstrators were moving past them and, you know, showing their support for it, whilst someone shouted, get a job, <laughs> which is kind of what all of this is about, the fact that people can't get jobs. Kind of missed the point there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it isn't surprising for some people in New York, but never mind. Um, one protester commented to the New York Times, it's cold, but what should we do? Capitalism doesn't get cold and go home, so I won't. Flawless logic. <laughs> <laughs> what an odd analogy. But uh, the, the Occupy movement is growing in numbers, with more and more protesters sitting, occurring around the world. With an, the uh, Occupy website, the entire like umbrella organisation, now having a find an Occupy near you. And uh, how to start an Occupy? Well, do you know what, Ben? It's time to start one here. Occupy Belrig. I'm not moving. We shall not, we shall not be moved. Well, I shall not be moved, but... We shall so, not, we shall not be moved. I'm just going to silence him in the name of democracy. <laughs> you uh, can't silence the truth! <laughs> I like the fact that they've got on their website how to start an Occupy movement. Go and Get city. people, go to a place, <laughs> stay there. So that's the tent, that's the reason you have the tent. Yeah, you're gonna I'm, camp I'm out. sitting in the studio. I'm not... Audibly, I'm not going to move at all in this episode. I'm going to stay here, I'm going to protest at the bankers who won't be able to actually see me because I'm inside of a studio, but 
Actually, that's a major issue. I might have to take this outside. Hmm. Actually, it's quite cold. I'm going to do one at home, in bed. That's going to be my occupy movement. But capitalism doesn't get cold, Adam. I do, uh, though. The oppressive radio movement does not get cold. <laughs> well, okay, my, my radio self will stay here at all times. And I'm not going to move for you, Ben. I don't care about the establishment. I'm going to bring it down. And You're a radical, Adam. I know. You're a radical. Adam. In honour of that, you wanted a quick song. I do. I do. Uh, this is called War Going On For Your Mind by uh, Flowbots. FIFA news now. And Sepp Blatter is not being very considerate. Who would have guessed it? <sighs> FIFA belittling racism. Next you'll be saying that uh, Switzerland has loads of Nazi gold. <laughs> <laughs> I can change the joke, boys. I've got two. Allegedly. Allegedly. I, I have yeah, allegedly, allegedly two jokes, so they have allegedly Nazi gold. No, it's not allegedly you have two jokes. That's not in contention <laughs> yeah. here. Well, I'd say it's alleged. But <laughs> Switzerland don't have Nazi gold. It's all alleged. They do. But moving on very quickly. Views of Adam Heave don't reflect that of Berwick FM or This Week in Life. Switzerland, if you're listening. <laughs> but they do with the wider international community. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> FIFA news. Yeah, anyway. Uh, Sepp Blatter's leadership of world football has been called into question after de he denied racism was an issue and said any Riggs-related incidents during games could be settled by a handshake. What a brilliant man. He's, he's very much in touch. He seems to be very aware of what's going on in the world. Uh, FIFA's president made the claim in two separate television interviews to provoke a furious response from around the world. Uh, Blatter later released a statement on the governing body's website saying he'd been misunderstood, accompanied by a picture of him hugging South Africa's housing minister, <laughs> Tokyo Sex Whale. <laughs> it's probably not Sex Whale, but you've got to say it like that, haven't you? <laughs> no, um, it is actually spelt correctly. Can, mind, can that man do anything right? I don't know. It's just like racism is okay if you shake hands and then to prove I'm not racist I'll hug a bloke. <laughs> Honestly, come on. Oh, he's a hero. I have many African friends, I have many Asian friends, I'll go and hug them and prove racism is okay if you say, oh dear, sir. Yeah, his quote's in full where he should say this is a game. We are in a game and at the end of the game we shake hands and this can happen because we have worked so hard against racism and discrimination. And he said on uh, Al Jazeera, during a match you may say something to somebody who's not looking exactly like you, but the end, at the end of match it's forgotten. Much like a uh, British policy toward the next imperial friends. We just shake the hands and get on with it. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about you destroying your natural resources. Well, why is Blatter still leader? Because he is. He was the only name on the ballot paper last time. We had this discussion last year that if FIFA looks more and more like Syria, I'm starting to confuse FIFA news with Arab Spring news. Mm. And Maybe. which one's more important? You've got to ask yourself. Which one kills and harms more people? What about some uh, Sepp Blatter gaff then? Ah, uh, well. So, I I'll start with one. Uh, he said, gay men shouldn't have sex at the World Cup in Qatar. <sighs> Women football would be better if they wore tighter shorts. <laughs> Um, when Cristiano Ronaldo was not allowed to move to Real Madrid, he um, complained this was tantamount to slavery when he then moved for £80 million and earns £220,000 a week. We just haven't learned in society yet. Um, yeah. Being he's, he's corrupt, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, he is set Blatter. That's, that's actually quite a good gaff, yeah. really. Um, not allowing goal line technology. Also, uh, he is set Blatter. <laughs> yeah, that's... And then this one, you know... 
racism doesn't happen on a football on a football pitch. No, well, it does, but it doesn't it matter does if you just shake hands and yeah, then hug a black man. Yeah, it's fine. <sighs> He, he should run for some form of office in Switzerland and just have his uh, judicial policy as, oh, well, after you mug someone and murder them, as long as you shake their hands, no, no issue. Just give them a little <laughs> hug and everything's fine. Ben, no, no, no. I think people who look exactly like you should be exterminated. Actually, no, if we shake hands at the end of this, is it all right? Because it's just in the yeah, confines of a radio show. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> we all know that this is a, a radio show and, and uh, some things are said during the radio show, which we may not agree with in the heat at the moment. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, a passionate game. Yeah, it's a, it's a battlefield out here, so. I think Seb Blatter is just another one of those international trolls. <laughs> we see, we've seen more and more of them over the weeks. They're coming out and we can notice them now, but I think he's not serious. I think he genuinely is going, how did I get this job again? <laughs> what can I get away I know, with if, saying? If I uh, if I hold a ballot where I am the only one who can be elected, I wonder if anyone will take... Oh, no. Oh, I'm a president again. Oh. Uh, Seb. Oh, Seb. Yeah. This is what happens when you leave organising a football association, like a football international organisation to the French. A corrupt person always gets in. Look at Napoleon. He got in. The views of Adam Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He did get in. So now you, you're, you're being as bad as... <laughs> you really? Go, you're, you're going I just go shake in. every Frenchman's hand. <laughs> At the end, but it's fine. Yes, see. I've done Switzerland, I've done France, I just need a few more low countries. Got Holland on a European and Belgium tour. to go. Come on. And Luxembourg as well. No, they're not a real country. There we go. <laughs> There's Luxembourg done. There's Luxembourg done. Uh, if you are Luxem from Luxembourg, please come down to the station so Adam can shake your hand on behalf of all people from Luxembourg. I was trying to work out the plural of what Luxembourg. Luxembourgian. <laughs> Luxembourgian. If you are Luxembourgian. Don't lie to uh, me. That sounds similar. Actually, Ben, could you do us a favour? Could uh, you let me 20 quid? Grand. Uh, huh? Can I, can I have 20 grand? Um, no. Oh. Why would you need that? I, I, need, I need to get from uh, India to the UK. So this is, the, yeah, this is the rather stupid story that an airline is uh, set to investigate reports that it asked its own passengers to pay £20,000 during the flight towards the cost of fuel to complete uh, a journey to the UK. Um, passengers says they were asked for the money when a flight um, with Austrian Air, airline Comtel Air from uh, Amritsar, Amritsar in India sorry, stopped in Vienna to refuel. Um, and basically they've been stuck in India after flights were cancelled as well, some other passengers. But the ones who did actually get to Vienna were then said, they asked, can we have £20,000 to fill up the plane? Didn't they say, we'll give you the money back? It went, well, essentially, the people who had to pay money will receive a refund, they said. So, oh, it's okay, we, we just ran out of money for a little bit of time. Um, but the airline said it would investigate the claims and hope, hope to swiftly return people to the UK from India. Um, Bunpinder Kandra, Director of Passenger Services for Comtel Air, said, I've heard what happened, it shouldn't have happened, and I'll investigate why it happened. Um, and then he, by saying, yeah, the people who did, were asked to pay, and presumably did pay, because he said the people who had to pay the money will receive a refund. So that states that some people actually did chip in for fuel. It's crazy if you're that desperate. If Maybe. you're stuck in Vienna. Well, Vienna's not too bad of a place to be stuck, no. really, is it? <laughs> It'd be quite funny if when they went to the uh, petrol station, it's like, oh, the card machines, aren't we? We yeah. say cash. Oh, this is a ridiculous story. How do you how do you get to Vienna and go? Oh, lads, I've left my wallet in India. You won't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Captain pulls up. You go, lads. Uh, don't have to say it's but my card's been rejected. Right. Right. Quick so round. We've already filled up. Right. <laughs> we can't drive off. <laughs> Because uh, I've not got any ID with me, right? And they won't take my wedding ring as collateral, so... <laughs> <laughs> Quick, 
quick whip round. Uh, we'll sell as much of the duty free duty free stuff that we can, and uh, we'll get you all back to the UK. Captain, essentially, that guy who's like, all right, we're we're on zero for fuel. We've got enough in the pipes. Come on, we can get there. We can get there. Just don't change down. Just don't change down. <laughs> I hope there's not a traffic jam. If I can cruise all the way down in fifth gear, yeah. I'll be fine. I wonder how they sorted it. Oh, in the end, though, maybe it's just like I've just come back. I've left my mobile at the desk. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I have I've left pay. them my details. Right. Uh-huh. And they'll be getting in touch with them in the future. But it's uh, it's ridiculous because basically the passengers were asked in order to fly back to Birmingham. Um, and if they didn't have the money with them, the airline asked them to go outside one by one into Vienna and then get money from a cash machine. Oh. <laughs> so oh they Lord. called, like, the police were calling and stuff. Did and this actually happen? Yeah, and another f- woman oh. who flew with Amrit Star as well to Birmingham via Vienna told the BBC, we had to pay 150 euros last night in Vienna to get back to Birmingham, and then they wouldn't fly us back to Birmingham, so we had to pay ourselves to actually get back. Um, Comtel Air introduced cheap flights from Birmingham to Amrit, uh, to Amrit Star in um, Punjab in India via Vienna last month. Um, and it said so far, Birmingham Airport said that the airline had been quite successful, and, but that it, um, it's happy that it's expressed concern and added that it had um, support for its investigation into why it happened. So this is just an ingenious marketing ploy by a budget airline. They say, yo, you don't have to pay to actually get for a ticket. Don't have to pay any... Uh, Insurance, don't have to pay any tax, you know, then you have to pay for your baggage, and then you just put in really small, do have to pay for petrol to get there. It's <laughs> a brilliant idea. Sort of like an extension <laughs> of the Ryanair thing. <laughs> They'll eventually just go, we'll give you food, but you'll have to pay for the plane. <laughs> <laughs> so the plane, of course, costs £1 million, right? So I, I mean, you get a free meal, I mean, you get a muffin and, you know, a can of pop, but other than that, it's uh, you have to pay for your own seat, okay? So you have to buy a seat and bring it with you on the day. <laughs> Is that easy jet idea to so that people could stand up on flights? Yeah, <laughs> like a terrorist area. <laughs> oh, they clearly got that idea of just looking like a, a slave ship and going. Well, they've got a lot more people in there than what we do on they an have a high, They have a high capacity rate. <laughs> now, what's different? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could get. Maybe we could put like exercise bikes in there and somehow. Rig them up to help fly the plane. I mean, they did get slaves to row the boats. <laughs> oh, God. As always, though, other airlines are available. You don't have to fly with some of these airlines, and we're not saying anything bad or good about them. We are morally neutral on the subject. Okay, of budget airlines. <laughs> oh. Don't go. Just don't go abroad. <laughs> the Daily Mail. <laughs> don't go abroad. There's foreign people. Stay build in a, your living room. Build a giant wall around the country. Oh. Uh. Shall I uh, move on to... Bring, should we bring the happy tone down the, the, from amusing? Yeah. So we, we said last week that we didn't have a lot of happy stuff. Northern Rock News. <sighs> <laughs> so this week, if you catch up with the news this week, it's uh, Northern Rock's finally being sold off um, from being nationalised. Did we get a load of money for it? Oh, yeah, yeah. We got a lot, mate. How much? Uh, we got £747 million. Pounds. That's not a lot of money. We bought well, it for quite a lot. Yeah, we spent £1.4 billion keeping it... Alive. What so is 747 million bigger than 1.4 billion? Uh, yeah. I'm going to do my maths. Well, give me okay, a minute. Okay. It's well, confusing when you're going through denominations, really. Is it billion, million? It's British billions compared to British millions. <laughs> yeah, but million, I mean, that's. The alphabet M is higher in the alphabet than B. So, I mean, so millions should be a bit bigger than billions, really. Yeah. Um, we lost three zeros. 
so we lost 700 and we roughly paid we got half price for it it was 50% off basically well, nearing Christmas <sighs> other shops are available <laughs> that sell banks <laughs> didn't know didn't know they'd branched out into selling banks um, but the bank was nationalised in 2008 following the near collapse and the onset of the global credit crunch um, Northern Rock PLC which has recently been split into two Northern Rock PLC and then Northern Rock Asset Management which has got all the bad debt in it basically we still own Happily, we still own Northern Rock Asset Management as a society, as a, a oh, government. Oh, yay. Um, and the good half has been off, uh, offloaded, and it's being rebranded as Virgin Money, part of Richard Branson's Virgin Company, um, who have pledged no compulsory job cuts for about three years. Uh, the, the thing is, what is a little bit sneaky about all of this is, is that at the start of the election um, campaign, Richard Branson came out in a very, very supportive tone about the Conservatives. <laughs> and now he's After got a bank After trying to buy cheap. it initially as well. Yeah, weird that, isn't it? Obviously, there's no, no link between yeah, the two no for legal reasons. I'm yeah. not going to say there is. But... Uh, BBC business editor Robert Pesson said the sale would see taxpayers end up with a paper loss. Of somewhere between 400 million and 650 million. Um, the bank currently employs two and a half thousand people, down from five and a half when it was first nationalised. Um, sources at Northern Rock uh, told the BBC that there were cheers at the bank's headquarters <laughs> when the news of the sale was announced. Um, and the government said that Northern Rock customer, customers would see no change to their accounts and services and would not need to take any further action about it. Um, essentially, in terms of Newcastle, they are the Sylvian Marvo of business deals. Which is a very, very niche uh, joke, and I don't know what, what, why I let you make it, to be honest. <laughs> Sylvian Marvo's a rather rubbish football poor football player. Can we say that? Can we? No, it's slander, yeah. isn't it? No, he's a good not football slander. player. <laughs> Newcastle aren't a big club. Oh, okay. That's not slander, that's Again, the views of Adam Haynes don't reflect that of anyone else here. He's just an idiot. Um, <laughs> I'll edit that out. Yeah. It's already it's gone now. <laughs> we can't take it back. Um, so, yeah, basically, Northern Rock has, has gone now. It's off the national books, but we kind of got not an, nowhere near enough money for it. Well, the uh, advisory body for the government did say that they'd never get a better deal. Yeah, but and it, there are other things as well. For example, say Virgin Money end up floating themselves on the stock market in the next few years as part of the Northern Rock rebranding. We get extra money and then there's certain there's, there's a lot of little clauses where we could end up getting, you know, 200 million more, 300 million more, depending on what happens in the future. But the fact is that we've sold, we spent 1.4 billion and only got 747 million back. I think Ed Balls was saying, wasn't he, um, to George Osborne, why did he choose to sell it now? You know, are Who we... Knows? It's just a lot of... It's a little bit... It's a little bit. swapped it for Freddo's. That value keeps going up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obscure references. £747 million pound worth of Freddo's. <laughs> Which other chocolates are available? <laughs> um, uh, should we go to a song? Uh, yeah, Northern Rock. <laughs> poor, poor, poor Northern Rock. This uh, song's called Save the World, Get the Girl. Enjoy. <laughs> So welcome back. Uh, Adam, David, who's going to take the next one? Uh, I think that'll be me. It's, uh, it's it's bullet news now. Well, the lack of buying bullet news, I think you mean. But, mm. but ahead, I, I think it's probably not bullets, more just protective gear to save people's lives. But I won. Um, the 
Ministry of Defence has spent almost £600 million from the military's equipment budget in the last two years to hire hundreds of outside specialists and consultants, routinely, routinely breaching government guidelines controlling this kind, type of expenditure. An, alter, an internal audit of signed defence contracts has highlighted numerous flaws and warned that control of the MOD purse appeared to be poorly developed or non-existent. Uh, the report also stated that Defence officials made little or no effort to ensure that contracts provided value for money. Uh, despite the numerous concerns raised in the c- report, a defence minister said nothing was wrong. <laughs> what? Apparently. Uh, the scale of spending and the apparent lack of control came at a time when the de- development has been making thousands of, ci- of uh, civilian and mer- military personnel redundant to cut spiralling costs. The MOD confirmed the figures and said stricter rules had been introduced. Well, this is going back a while when they actually started paying £8 for light bulbs, for individual light bulbs, so it does not surprise me that they've uh, been paying over the top for anything else, really. Yeah, well, I had, um, somebody told me that their dad was contracted to the MOD at some point, and um, he took a quote back to his uh, superior, and he said, is that an all right quote for the MOD? And he said, no, at least double that and add a zero. <laughs> Uh, they're essentially the Man City of the football department, aren't they? They're just, oh, we'll, we'll just keep spending in the hope it does something. Just throw money in the black hole. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You just wonder how specialists and consultants can cost that much. What what advice are they giving? Shoot bullets at the people who aren't on your side. How? I, I, I also want to know how you... I mean, okay, fair enough, having some advisors is necessary, but how do you... How do you need? I just the scale of it is ridiculous because it's like after you've got maybe thirty advisors, maybe for you know every single department and country or whatever. It's like, well, what do you need? Have you got two advisors for everything? Three hundred million pound a year was spent on advisors. Is someone advising what coffee and tea to buy? Uh, I mean, is someone then advising that person how to advise? <laughs> maybe they're advising them on method. the price of yeah. the coffee and tea. <laughs> maybe you want to advise in a different way. Maybe you should advise in this way instead. Now I'll take my check and leave. <laughs> How much middle management does the MOD have? I have no idea, but it seems pretty ridiculous. Six hundred million pounds in the last two years, which could have gone towards tanks, bullets, body protection, anything. ID protection. Anything. I hope those advisors or whatever they are are sitting at home pretty pleased with themselves and things are going on because six hundred million pound. It is a lot of money. It's a ridiculous amount of money. You hope so because you know politicians always go, "Oh, we're going to cut back on red tape and cut out bureaucracy," without ever giving re- an actual example. Well, this is definitely one of those, and they said there's nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, the one place where they could go, "Oh, guys, we're uh, spending three hundred million pounds a year on advising." Yeah, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. We need them all. Yeah, he gets good coffee. He's a good coffee advisor. If oh. one of them goes down for a couple of weeks with a knee injury, I need somebody straight in there to replace him. Yeah. Of a similar uh, ability level. <laughs> to be fair, we, we have that on this show for me when I eventually go down. We have a backup. So, yeah, it's just MOD being sensible here. I, I don't think you need a squad of like a million, honestly. <laughs> It'd be interesting getting into that office in the morning. MOD reserve <laughs> reserve advisor squad. Just sat there like, Jimmy, it's your day today. You can do this for me. They're all there stapling, <laughs> writing as fast as they can, practicing doing, you know, writing. Like, I've got to get on my advice game. <laughs> Hoovering up all the young talent around yeah. your <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
it's the, we're laughing, but this is genuinely quite. Yeah, annoying. it's six hundred million pounds that has been siphoned out of funds that could be Going better to the place. front line, yeah, basically saving the people you've put out there borderline illegally. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> it wasn't Allegedly. me this time. Yeah. I said borderline. That doesn't that doesn't <laughs> like, that doesn't mean allegedly. Borderline doesn't mean alleged. It means just I, shut up. I said borderline, Your Honour. How was that slander? <laughs> uh, he so looks like a borderline criminal. <laughs> that's slander, then, isn't he? That's the Daily Mail. Yeah. I mean, anyway, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> it's true. And Adam Haynes and David Fisher. <laughs> actually, they don't reflect. This week in lies does not reflect on Barry Griffin. <laughs> Don't judge the, the station because of these two oafs. Just do not <laughs> listen to what anything we say. <laughs> Switch off the radio. No, don't say that. Uh, oh, let's move on to um, Arab Spring news now. Boing, boom, bang, boom, boing. Boing. Ow. <laughs> Jordan's king has become the first Arab leader to openly say Syrian President Bashar al-Assad should stand down. King Abdullah told the BBC that if he were in Mr. Assad's position, he would make sure whoever comes behind me has the ability to change the status quo. He urged President Assad to begin talks on an orderly transition of power. Many Arab leaders have condemned the crackdown in months. Of protests in Syria, dozens of deaths have been reported in the last unrest on Monday. Um, both the Saudi and Qatari ambassadors have left this ma Damascus in protest at the repression, and the Arab League voted on Sunday to suspend Syria's membership. Um, however, King Abdullah went further than other Arab leaders in his exclusive interview with the BBC World News Television. Um, if Bashar has the interest of his country at heart, he would step down, but he would also create an ability to reach out and start a new phase of Syrian political life. That's the only way I would see it work, and I don't think people are asking that question. It's weird that King Abdul is asking that, because maybe he doesn't have the best interest of Syria at heart. Mm. Maybe he likes being a dictator and getting loads of gold and money and telling people what to do. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he does. Just, just maybe. But uh, King Abdullah warned there will be uh, more of the same if whoever replaced President Assad did not change the status quo. But, oh. Well done, Abdullah. Well, round of applause for the man. Mm. I think he definitely does need to change his status quo because uh, Assad in the last two elections had ninety-seven percent of all votes, apparently. Yeah, that's probably worse than Mugabe and ninety-six of those votes come from dead people. <laughs> We're not surprising. We know that we we've had this discussion before that the large demo the largest demographic is the dead. <laughs> And pandering to their demands of brains will get you pretty far in politics. <laughs> but uh, as we mentioned before, the Arab League suspending Syria, um, they've actually finally got together and done something a bit worse. They suspended Syria? Yeah, but uh, w when I say a bit worse, I mean they didn't really do that much. But they have the Arab League has given Syria three days to stop the bloody repression of protesters and allow in terms of uh, in teams of observers. Uh, Qatari Foreign Minister Sheikh Hamid bin Jassim Al Thani says Syria faced sanctions if it did not cooperate. A little fist pump there for the correct pronunciation. <laughs> At a meeting well of the Arab League in Mar uh, Morocco, I nearly said Monaco. Then I have no idea why they meet in Monaco. Um, he said diplomatic effects efforts. We're uh, close to the end of the road. As the meeting took place, anger crowds in Damascus attacked the embassies in Morocco and the United Arab Emirates. I wonder how many people in that crowd were paid by Al-Assad to attack them. Because <laughs> at the moment, quite a lot of people are currently attacking where Al-Assad is living. But 
Morocco responded by recalling its ambassador to Syria. Um, and hours earlier, in another sign of Syria's increasing international isolation, France also said it was withdrawing its ambassador because they really care what France It's made. taken them this long. <laughs> Yep. Even the Americans have done that a lot earlier. <laughs> the Americans have done it earlier when you then, you know, you need to sort your life out. Uh, Foreign Minister Alain Joupe told Parliament, There has been a renewed violence in Syria, which has led me to close our consular offices in Aleppo and in Latakia, as well as our cultural institutes, and to recall our ambassador to Paris. Sheikh Ahmad asked if the Arab League proposal was a last-ditch attempt at diplomacy. Uh, told a news conference in Morocco, we do not want to talk about a last-ditch attempt because I do not want this sound to sound like a warning. What I can say is that we are close to the end of the road as far as the Arab League's efforts on this front are concerned. <laughs> so it's pretty much coming to a last ditch, really. Yeah, he just didn't want to say it. <laughs> uh, the statement came hours after reports that rebel Syrian troops had attacked a major military base near Damascus, and Turkey, although uh, it's not actually a member of the Arab League, sent its <laughs> foreign minister, uh, Ahmet Davut Tugulu, to a Turkish-Arab cooperation forum on the fringes of the League's meeting in Rabat. Um, Turkey, which shares a long border with Syria, has been increasingly critical of President Bashar al-Assad's repression of anti-government protests, mainly because they've been picking up quite a lot of the refugees and having to have the camps there. Um, in a joint statement, they demanded urgent measures to ensure the protection of civilians, which we said al-Assad is doing. He's stopping his troops <laughs> shooting at them, but they're just mainly shooting towards, so it's fine. In the general direction. Yeah. It's that classic dictator phrase. Um, but, you know, so they want this issue sorted out, they want peace and order in Syria. They then shot themselves in the front, in the foot, not quite literally, sadly, but uh, they then said, all foreign intervention in Syria, they were completely against that. Well done. <coughs> yeah. Um, last weekend, the Arab League voted to obviously suspend Syria's membership and its three-day Please stop shooting your people. Uh, runs out tonight at twelve o'clock. So let's see. We're going to see a deadline day deal. <laughs> yeah, it's a dead peace is the deadline day deal. Moving in a twenty-five million pound <laughs> move to oh. Syria is peace. A Man City will probably try and bid for it <laughs> in an exchange deal <laughs> worth. <laughs> try and get rid of Rocky Santa Cruz to Syria, but this isn't going to happen. I'm, I'm just going to say it now that peace will not be in Syria by tonight. Al-Assad will not change his ideas no. towards protesters. I think uh, letting them out of the Arab League is more just saying, you're not coming to our party anymore <laughs> if you stop beating up innocent people. <laughs> oh. The Arab League has been surprisingly quiet until now on this. Why have they not been sorting this out when they were going, oh, leave any Arab issues to the Arab League, it's our league, we don't want the UN or NATO getting involved. And then they've just sat there in the corner, in the dark, going, la 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 I can't hear you. It's because they never used to do anything because it was all the dictators sitting on the board. Just going, well, I want to keep dictating, what about you? Yeah. So now they actually have to do something. They're just sort of like, meeting? Has anyone got a room booked? Has anyone got a labour club with a function room? Yes. And is there a bar? Yeah, very good. Uh, well, they probably wouldn't want a bar, but anyway. <sighs> Showing your cultural insensitivities. You like the Daily Mail? At least Mail. I'm not set blatter. <laughs> That's true. I'll just go shake handed. all of the Arab League's hands. <laughs> so uh, sorry for offending your religion. <laughs> but whilst I was actually drawing all of this up, there was more breaking news, which is a... Uh, 
Colonel Gaddafi's son, Saif al-Islam, has been captured, and you'll be glad to hear that he was actually safe when he was captured. And that's not a pun. They actually said that in this article, <laughs> so don't blame me. So he did. Do you reckon he somebody wouldn't. wrote that and then he was just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> just a little journalist, like, hammering away all day, he's going, I need a pun, and he's like, oh, you were safe. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is the lead I've been looking for. <laughs> Assistant editor. <laughs> and he was seized by fighters near the southern town of Avare and flown to the city of Zintan in the north. Uh, Saif al-Islam told a journalist he was safe. <laughs> he just said his name, really. Uh, the former... <laughs> yeah, I'm safe. Yeah, what's your name, mate? I'm safe, I'm safe. We know you're safe. Right? <laughs> so who's on first page? <laughs> <laughs> the former leader's son is the last key member of the Gaddafi family to be captured or killed. Uh, Saif al-Islam, 39, is wanted by the International Criminal Court for alleged crimes against humanity during the uprising against his father. Um, a picture showing him after his capture had appeared on the page of a Facebook group based in the Libyan town of Sabah. Other social networking sites are available. A militia force allied to the National Transitional Council, other rebel councils are available, <laughs> said he had been captured in Nabari near Sabah in the southwest and was taken to where we just said before, they've repeated the article. But a commander of uh, the Zintan militia, Wissam Dugli, <laughs> that is a great name. Says Isn't that a bowl that someone pulled in cricket? It's <laughs> <laughs> a googly bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Said Saif al-Islam had been captured along with several aides as they tried to smuggle him out to neighbouring Niger. That really, really good country. Which definitely goes along with all the UN human rights. Well, that is for next week. I have a story for next week. No, it's not alleged. The UN have even said it was fine. Okay. They can't sue us. Actually, no, if Niger wants to see us, we'll see him in court. Um, he says, Safe El Islam was not hurt by the picture of Facebook on Facebook. Other social networking sites are available. Uh, in, in any future mentions of the word Facebook, other social networking sites are available. Uh, showed his right thumb and two fingers bandaged. Oh, no. That, that's <sighs> tragic. I know. Asked he by, wasn't safe at all. As by a Reuters reporter, Marie-Louise Goumichon, on the flight to Zintan, if he was feeling all right, he said simply, Yes. <laughs> he told her he had been injured in a NATO airstrike about a month ago. The NTC's Justice Minister, Mohammed al al said he would be transferred to the capital, Tripoli, soon, and the ICC in The Hague says it has been officially notified of the arrest. Yay. Woo! So is this Syria and Libya? Well, Syria's going to keep going, but Libya wrapping up now? Yeah. Maybe? I'll miss Libya. It's been such a... Is Syria trying to now take the crown? Oh, I think so. Most... Mm. They'll be going for quite a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. Al-Assad will not get the... It, it, the thing is, Gaddafi was mentally ill and didn't really understand what was going on in the world anymore. I can't believe they couched him alive, to be honest. I would have thought that the same thing happened when they found Gaddafi. They just went, yeah, I'm going to shoot him. <sighs> Good bit of self-control by the Libyans there. Well, but, caught him, probably. Well, he was dead almost immediately after that. Yeah. Thing. And other things which we can't probably repeat on this were done to his body. Yes. Pretty true. But um, I think Al-Assad will definitely drag on a lot longer than Libya. Yeah. yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Al-Assad will be the next hide-and-seek champion. He will go into hiding eventually. Hmm. Pretty problem. hard for him, though. He's been the one, he was the one who was injured in all those rock attacks, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the, he's um, the reserve backup dictator tennis player. Yeah. But so is he paraplegic, quadriplegic, anything like that? I don't no, know. he just got severe burns. Did he? Oh, right, okay. But you're yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Which is always good. They well, never wish anyone harm on this show, yeah. even dictators, because we'll probably get sued for it. But anyway. Let's uh, go to a song. We should go to a song because I'm getting depressed. We should probably. Uh, well, what would you say is going to happen in uh, 
into in Syria? Would you say they might have a riot? Uh, possibly have a riot. Possibly. I mean, I, would you predict a riot? I don't know. I probably would predict a riot, to be honest. Bit of Justin Timberlake there. You really love Justin Timberlake. Really, it's not. It's it's a weird love. It's a man crush. <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs> it's entirely platonic. Ben and Justin sitting in a tree. If only. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to. <clears throat> Curry news now! <laughs> yes. Definitely Curry. a superb story. Um, are you going off your line? I'll do it. Okay. I'll go ahead. Uh, the community secretary, Eric Pickles, is to make a UK curry college <laughs> that would t- teach British workers the secret of uh, perfect pakoras, uh, a showpiece of the government's integration strategy to puff- bear published or- shortly. Pickles Curry College, as it is being called, he didn't call it that himself, uh, he would see the government backing a school to train British people from all backgrounds to become chefs, specialising in Indian food as an answer to the crisis in the £3.2 billion curry industry, triggered by the Home Office's ban on bringing in chefs from Bangladesh, India and Pakistan. So they're just spending more money on a problem that they could have fixed Fixed. by allowing the people who actually know how to cook it properly into the country. Pretty much. Well done. As it says in the next paragraph, the scheme is in line with Conservative policy to make deep cuts in immigration numbers on the basis uh, that that we do not need to attract people to do jobs that could be carried out by British citizens, given the right training and support. Yes, Adam? And the fact that half of the British citizens who could do these jobs can't be bothered doing these jobs. Which is why these people are Also, I think a lot of curry recipes are actually, like, you know... British. Yeah, and the fact that the ones that aren't British are really deep-rooted, family, sort of, localised recipes for things. You can't just go, yeah, bang that in, bang that in, and then what if it doesn't go right? They don't know, they can't fix it. They're just going, well, this is the list of ingredients, and... It's like when they said about um, strawberry pickers. Oh, no one wants to be a strawberry picker. Well, yeah, good British people don't want to do it. (laughs) So that's why they use Eastern Europeans. It's stupid. Mm. Uh, this also chimes with the position of Ian Duncan Smith, the work and pension secretary. In July, he appeared to echo Gordon Brown's infamous plea for British jobs for British worker, but has since said that he rejects that in favour of a pol- policy of getting British workers ready for British jobs. Uh, this the, is all different. <laughs> no. The idea is backed in the long-awaited integration strategy being hammered out between Whitehall departments, which says the government is to support British excellence in the Asian and Oriental catering sector. The strategy, which is yet to uh, get final approval by Downing Street, will see a distinct shift away from Labour's language in this area. Talk of promoting local community cohesion is out, and talking of uh, promoting integration is now in, with tolerance is the new watchword. It follows David Cameron's Munich speech earlier this year when he criticised state multiculturalism and argued that the UK needed a stronger national identity. Mm. And that's definitely going to be improved by getting people to make foreign food. Yeah. That, that well, really solidifies the Britishness. Basically, if you can make a curry and then an Indian guy comes around to your house and you make a curry for him, you're going to bond. Yeah. It's all Indian people think about. And yeah. if you say something offensive by doing that, just shake, shake your hand, hand at the end of the meal. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Cameron and Blatter teaming up. <laughs> <laughs> the dream team. <laughs> Combat racing. <laughs> 
the integration strategy has taken months to get cross-government uh, agreement and still not been finalised. But Whitehall sources indicate Downing Street is taking an active interest and it should be published shortly. The draft paper confirms the strategy will be broken down in four separate strands, establishing common ground, increasing social mobility, improving participation and countering intolerance and extremism. Among its proposals are believed to be a new drive against anti-Muslim hatred in Britain and recognition anti-Semitism is also growing. Uh, events to ce celebrate the Queen's Diamond Jubilee and the Olympic Games that bring together different communities. An online integration forum which includes a barrier-busting site to uh, uh, remove bureaucratic barriers and encourage different community and faith groups to come together. And also an initiative to establish common ground with gypsy and traveller communities. Uh, conservative ministers see the integration as an essential element alongside a much tougher drive to reduce immigration, including requirements for new family and labour migrants to be able to speak English. So they're saying that, you know, they do need to cut red tape. So what they're doing on this issue is by making more red tape of regulations and suggestions to get rid of red tape of people not liking uh, Muslims or Jews. That seems a great idea. But I just don't know how this whole thing is going to work. I don't understand why they're doing it. <laughs> if you're going to try to encourage Britishness, then I don't. First of all, stop having a German as the Queen. <laughs> if, if you, <laughs> I just don't even understand where you can come from Britishness, considering that British people are an, an amalgamation of many different yeah. races and culture. It's like almost like America is that our culture. Well, famously, our culture is like you know sipping tea on a green while whilst watching cricket. Very old sort of. Or playing garden balls, but nowadays, what is Britishness for a start? And I've then, I thought part of it is we are a democracy and a, a free nation, so allowing multiculturalism is part of that. So, yeah. why it, would you want to go back on state multiculturalism, as he calls it? Yeah, to one sort of defined Britishness standard. It's because he doesn't want it to be state multiculturalism; he wants it to be free market multiculturalism, in line with every other conservative belief. Yeah, I just wanted to get that in. Is he going to the Labour going to come back in and nationalise all <laughs> cultures? <laughs> <laughs> We're buying the tikka masala recipe. <laughs> State subsidies. <laughs> it's ironic that Eric Pickles wanted a curry college as well. Some people, yeah, have yeah. I he's rather hair soup. Yeah. <laughs> the picture on the article is just him in a curry house holding an award which is brilliant by yeah. the Guardian the man who had the most curries <laughs> in one sitting Eric Pickles with 72 yeah. probably why we need more chefs to cook them yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he may be the biggest blagger in history basically he was thinking about what he's having for his tea and then asked for an idea and he said um, curry college curry college what's that Eric yeah. um, people learn to make curry Yes. Oh well, it's, it's a pretty interesting story. Don't know how it's going to work out, but I look forward to when it's Let's, uh, let's move on quickly to news that wasn't reported this week. Why wasn't it reported, Adam? I might have made it up. Might have? Definitely made it up. He made it up. Um, so, uh, the first one uh, this week's from the socialist worker Banker Kills Puppy. Uh, illegal immigrants plan invasion of UK through breeding programme from Daily Mail. <laughs> That's a weird one. Uh, Texas finally recognises anti slavery laws from the New York Times. Teacher filmed banned in Yorkshire. Oh, Thatcher filmed, sorry, banned in Yorkshire from the Scarborough Times. And the news of the world has been quiet once again. Unbelievable. Ah, uh, well, for that. Uh, we'll, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. This will be on iTunes pretty soon. Yep, so see you later. Goodbye. Civis later!